and he is still with his disciples. He did not ascend to the heaven yet. So the Lord told them, Should the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is still with them? Actually, when the bridegroom will be taken up, when he will ascend to heaven, then they will fast. As if the Lord was reminding them and telling them, You are the disciples of John. And John said about me, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and near him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This verse is not against fasting. Because fasting is considered a great virtue. Great people like Moses and Elijah fasted. Someone also made the people fast with tears and prayer. Many uh, prophets in the Old Testament and in the New Testament fasted like the fasting of Nineveh, like David the prophet. Also, in the New Testament, the prophetess Anna was fasting, as we read in the Gospel of St. Luke. John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus Christ himself fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Cornelius also he used to observe fasting. So, as I am saying, this question was not expected from the disciples of St. John. St. Jerome said this arrogant interrogation of St. John's disciples was highly blameable, not only for joining with the Pharisees, whom they knew that their master, John the Baptist, so much condemned, but also for accusing him falsely, who they knew who foretold by John's own testimony. St. Jerome, he is saying, Actually, the disciples of John the Baptist should not ask this question for two reasons. How they falsely accuse the Lord Jesus Christ while their master John the Baptist bore testimony about him? And how they joined the Pharisees in their interrogation while John the Baptist also condemned the Pharisees and their hypocrisy? The Lord told them, Now I am with my disciples, but the time will come in which I will be taken away, I will ascend to heaven. And here actually the disciples will fast and will carry the cross of affliction and purification. There is time to rejoice with Christ and to celebrate His goodness. And there is also another time to seek the Lord with humility and fasting and mourning over sins. Like nowadays we are fasting and we humble ourselves before God. And in a few weeks actually we will rejoice and we will celebrate His resurrection. <coughs> and after He explained that He is a bridegroom, He gives them another illustration. 
He told them that is it fitting to fast right now or not? Is it fitting to add the new doctrine to the old doctrine or not? So the second reason it is about the fitness of things or the suitability of things. He told them it is not usual to take a piece of rough woolen cloth which had never been prepared to join an old garment. If you put a piece of new clothes to old garment, the old garment is soft. So when you put a new piece of cloth, actually it would tear it further and the rent would be made worse. And to emphasize this meaning, he told them the same about wine. During the time of Jesus, they used to store the wine in, in wine skins and not bottles. When you pour or you store new wine, the wine is still fermenting. And because it's still fermenting, it produces gases. And new wine skins are elastic enough to take the pressure. But the old wine skins will easily burst because they are hard. So the message here, the Lord told them, the new doctrine do not match with the old rise of the Pharisees. Yes, we need to keep both. We need to keep the Old Testament and the New Testament, but in a suitable way. How to combine both in a suitable way? That's why he said the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure what's new and what is old. We cannot put what's new on what's old. As if the Lord is telling us, don't be too rigid about the past, about the old, and too resistant to the new work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants our mind and our heart to be like new wine skins, open and ready to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit. So, the Lord, as if He is telling them, I am here to start something new. I am here to establish a new covenant. And you need actually to open your heart to receive this new covenant and the new doctrine. So it is not fitting right now for my disciples to fast like the fasting of the Old Testament. But I will give the fasting a new dimension in the New Testament when this covenant, the new covenant, is fulfilled. Verse 18. After he finished answering the disciples of John, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, my daughter just has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. 
So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, so this ruler came and told him, My daughter died, come. If you come and you pray to her, I believe that she will live. And on the way to the house of the rulers, suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So, this ruler was one of the rulers of the synagogue. His name was Jairus, as we read in Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. And the three evangelists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they mention this story. And from them we know that the girl was 12 years old. Of course the Lord was able to raise her from death at a distance. But why he went all the way to the house? Actually to teach us his disciples. Not to spare any effort. Not to spare any step, not to spare any uh, pain when salvation of soul is in question. We need actually to go and labor and travel from place to place seeking the salvation of everybody. But on his way to the house of Jairus, another miracle happened. A, bleeding, a woman who was bleeding came and touched the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we know from Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25, bleeding is considered uncleanness in the Old Testament. That's why the, this woman was so embarrassed to come to the Lord to tell him, heal me. Because she knew, according to the Old Testament, she is unclean. But she made, she had a strong faith that if she touched the hem of his garment from behind, she knows that she cannot touch him. But she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Maybe the garment here is a square garment which was thrown over the shoulder. And this garment was surrounded by a border of fringe. And this fringe has loose threads hanging down. That is the hem. And I want you to see her face. She said, if I just touch the hem, these threads that's hanging down from the fringe of the garment, I will be healed. Actually, we know that the Jews were commanded to wear this in order to distinguish themselves from other nations as we read in Numbers chapter 15 and in Deuteronomy chapter 22. And I want here to see the face of this woman as well as the face of the ruler. The ruler 
had faith that if Jesus prayed over his dead daughter, she would rise. What a great faith. And this woman, she believed that if she touched only the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ, she would be healed. Her faith, her strong confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, actually has been the means of her restoration. And she was healed from her bleeding. And the Lord told her, your faith has made you well. And here is actually the Lord is telling each one of us, when you pray, when you ask something from God, you need to have faith. Because faith here is considered a condition. If you believe, everything is possible to those who believe. It is not a passive faith. Because passive faith is a dead faith. But it is active faith leads to action. That's why she came and touched the hem of his garment. And the Lord, with all kindness, he assured her of his love to her and he told her daughter. What a beautiful word she heard from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a word of tenderness and affection to encourage her. After she was unclean for a long time, now the Lord is telling her, you are my daughter. And actually, there is another good virtue about the ruler, Jairus. The Bible did not mention that Jairus was bothered by this miracle. Maybe you expect Jairus was in hell. You want to take the Lord Jesus Christ as quickly as possible to raise his dead daughter. And now this woman actually delayed the Lord Jesus Christ. But see the patience of this great ruler. The Bible did not mention to us that he was bothered by this miracle. Verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, so Jesus arrived into the house of Jairus, and saw the flute player and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. And the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. It was a custom in Jewish funerals to hire professional mourners, those who wail and play on the flute. So when the Lord entered, he told them, The girl is not dead. Of course, physically she was dead. But what the Lord meant here, that she will not continue to be under the power of death. She will not continue to be under the power of death. But shall be raised from death as rising from natural sleep. Of course, 
the company of the workers and people who were there, they were so sure that the girl is dead. That's why they ridiculed him. They laughed in mockery because they did not understand the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know that he is God and by his word he can raise her from the dead. And the lesson to us that we should not be afraid of death. As we say in the letter of the departed, there is no death for your servants but a departure. And yes, we may grieve when we lose somebody, but as St. Paul said, don't grieve like the people of the world with no hope because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. In the Gospel of St. Luke, St. Luke mentioned that Jesus did not enter alone, but he took with him Peter, James, John, the father and the mother of the child. So all of them entered, and as we read in the Gospel of St. Mark, the Lord said to the girl in Aramaic, Talitha Kubi. Aramaic was the language that was used in Palestine at the time, and the meaning of Talisa Kumi means rise my child. And when she heard the voice of the Lord, immediately she obeyed, she arose and she walked. In the Gospel of St. Luke, St. Luke actually emphasized how the parents of the total were astonished by this miracle. And definitely, the three apostles, uh, Peter, James, and John, were astonished by this miracle. And actually, maybe the Lord strictly charged the parents not to mention anything about this miracle. But how can we hide it? Many people knew for sure that this child was dead. And now they saw her alive, walking, eating, drinking, conversing with others. So definitely the news is spread all over the area. The theme of this miracle actually is spread all over the country. As we read in verse 26, and the report of this went out into all that land. Verse 27, another miracle. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, 
they spread the news about him in all that country. Another miracle here about healing two blind men. They called him son of David. And son of David means in, in the Jewish tradition, means the Messiah. So they were confessing that this man is the Messiah, is Christ. And they cried for mercy. They knew that their cry should be a cry for mercy. And they, the word cry means they cried from their hearts with zeal. And here actually the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us, or we can learn a lesson from these two blind men, how to bring our prayers with Him with persistence and also with zeal. To be persistent and also to be zealous. And as the Lord used to ask in all the miracles, He used for faith, expression of faith. Do you believe that I can do this to you? We can say faith is the hand which takes what God offers. Faith is the hand which takes what God offers. It is the spiritual organ of appropriation. The Lord actually told them, don't say this miracle to anybody. Of course, people who knew them, they would recognize that they were blind and now they can see. But they failed to obey. And actually, they mentioned this story to many, many people around them. We should obey whether we understand the reason or we don't understand. As the Lord said to Peter, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later. So actually, these two blind men should obey, should have obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ, but unfortunately they did not. So when we look at these three miracles, we can see that our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. He raised the daughter of the ruler from death. So, he not only breaks the bonds of mortal death, but also gives our souls eternal life. Then, the second miracle, when he healed the woman who is bleeding. So, he is the physician of our souls, bodies, and spirits. He actually healed the diseases of the body, healed the sorrow of the heart, and healed the sins of the soul. No man can do this except the Lord Jesus Christ. And the third miracle, healing the two blind men, means he is the light of the world. As he said, I am the light of the world. And when we come to him, we'll be enlightened. And our darkened heart will be flooded with his light. Another miracle St. Matthew mentioned in this Gospel, verse 32, And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon 
was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Some people, when they are possessed by demons, the demons render the person either to be paralytic or to be blind or to be mute. This man actually, because he was possessed with demon, he was uh, mute and out of his mind. And the spiritual meaning here, when a person follows Satan, he will be out of his mind and he cannot say the word of truth. He will be mute. Here the Lord, how he healed him. The Lord actually cures at the root. He cast out the, the demon. He removed the reason of this illness. He removed the cause of this illness. Although the miracle was narrated in a very, very short term, in the briefest term, but the effect was immediate and the restoration of this man was complete. The people, when they saw this miracle, they declared that no prophet had ever done such wonders. But we can see here how the poor and simple were able to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. But the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the educated people, actually, they gave an evil explanation. They said, he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. He has the ruler of the demons. That's why he was able to cast the demon. It is very foolish to think this way because how a demon will express, uh, expel another demon? <laughs> the demons actually may expect to assist one another, to strengthen one another, not to weaken and to destroy one another. St. John Chrysostom, he said about this comment, he said that the Lord Jesus Christ did not only cast out devils, but he cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, calms the storm, forgives sins by his own power, preached the eternal freedom, uh, eternal kingdom of heaven, and brought back men to God. All these activities the devil can never do. The devil can never do. So this was a very evil explanation from the scribes and Pharisees whose heart was full of envy and hatred. Verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This verse shows the tender heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> he visited all the cities, 
Not only the great and wealthy cities, but the poor, obscure villages. He preached. He went from place to place to comfort the people and to search for the lost and to heal their illness, whether it is spiritual or psychological or physical. And we can see how his heart was full of compassion. Then actually, while he's traveling from place to place, what did he see? Verse 36, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. Why? For they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Because the religious leaders of Israel, they neglected their duty to take care of the sheep. As St. John Chrysostom said, the Pharisees indeed were their shepherds, but they acted like the ravenous wolves, not only neglecting to lead the people to the virtue, but also by hindering them as much as they could. They hindered their advancement in any good. For when the admiring multitude cried out, we never saw a man like Jesus, they immediately said he is actually casting out demons by the ruler of the demons. So they did not only neglect the people, but they hindered them from any advancement in goodness. That's why the Lord was moved with compassion when he saw the people weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, he gave a beautiful image here. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It is a beautiful image. He saw the people as waving field of golden grain. And this field, which is full of grain, invites many harvesters and laborers. It demands work. Workers come with haste in order actually to reap the harvest. There are many souls ready to receive the truth of the gospel. Numerous souls, but where are the laborers? The laborers are few. Yes, there are many people like the scribes and Pharisees and the religious leaders, but they neglected their duty. They didn't do their part in tempting the flock of God. That's why the Lord told us, you need to pray to ask God to send faithful and honest and wise laborers, faithful and honest and wise servants to his field. He is the Lord of the harvest, <coughs> and as the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth reapers for the harvest. That's why it is an instruction to all of us when we see there are many numerous souls need to be served 
But there are few labors. We need actually to dedicate our prayer and ask God to send uh, laborers to his people. Let's 